Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm your host, Jeff Beecham, and this is episode two in a series of podcasts looking at some of the challenges facing UK manufacturing in 2022. Throughout the series, I'm hosting a number of guests from service businesses and support organisations, providing subject matter expertise and guidance on a diverse range of topics affecting UK manufacturing. Today, we're going to be looking at innovation funding and in particular, R&D tax credits. So I'm delighted to welcome my special guest today, Sandy Findlay, who's the Partnership Director at ABGI UK. Welcome, Sandy, and how are you? Hi, Jeff. I'm, I'm well, yeah. Uh, doing really well up here. It's a bit wet and windy today, but I think we'll survive. Uh, <laughs> we're used to it in Scotland. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's, it's par for the course in that part of the world, isn't it? Yeah. So before we get into the, the, the sort of detail of, of, of R&D uh, tax credits, um, would, you, would you like to you know, tell the viewers a, a bit about yourself and, and your role at, at ABGR UK? Yeah, that's, that, that'd be good. Uh, I am Partnership Director for ABGI in the UK. Uh, we are an innovation uh, consultancy. We help companies accelerate their innovation activity. And we do that by identifying and securing appropriate forms of funding for companies. In my role as Partnership Director, uh, I, I identify and re- recruit and build relationships with partnership organisations. Uh, trade associations, uh, professional services providers, and sometimes uh, business support agencies. And the the primary reason for doing that is that we believe that one of the the key constraints to companies innovating in the UK is access to appropriate forms of funding. So if we can work with partner organisations, we can educate companies and we can give them easier access or better access to more appropriate forms of funding through the education process. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for that, uh, that introduction and overview, uh, Sandy. So R&D tax relief. Um, crikey, a, a lot of companies probably are already going through this process, uh, but not all. It's, uh, it seems like a, a, a bit of a complex uh, process. Um, so what, what level of, 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 tax relief can companies get what what activities qualify for relief and you know what what sort of costs can can companies claim for yeah it's interesting Jeff because I've been in this business now eight years and I often assume that everybody knows about the scheme Uh, and I'm always surprised when I travel around the country how many companies uh, look surprised when you mention R&D tax relief so uh, the scheme was introduced Uh, 22 years ago. Uh, It's a a government scheme. It's intended to encourage British companies to invest in research and development, to uh, push the the boundaries of knowledge in their own particular field of science or technology, to uh, address technical challenges, and and to increase that uh, baseline of knowledge in in industry. Um, Generally speaking for an SME, there's uh, 25% additional tax relief available if the company's in profit. So for every pound they spend on eligible R&D, they'll receive 25p tax relief. If an SME's in a loss-making position, they'll qualify for up to 33.3% cash back on their eligible spend. And for larger companies who have to claim through the RDEX scheme, uh, there's up to 10.5% net uh, relief available or cash back, again, if they're in a loss-making position. 
Um, generally speaking, the areas of uh, activity, companies have to be involved in projects that are seeking an advance in a field of science or technology. Uh, in, in achieving that advance, the company have, has to be undertaking uh, technical challenges to, to resolve technical uncertainties. Mm -hmm. So an uncertainty is usually something which has no existing or obvious solution. And where a competent professional deems that it requires systematic research or investigation. Uh, that's quite nebulous, but we're okay because HMRC gave us 500 pages of guidance on <laughs> what technical uncertainty is. Okay. Uh, for most companies, uh, that uncertainty or that challenge will be around projects, particularly manufacturing and engineering. Projects around making their products uh, smaller, faster, lighter, um, more robust, safer, greener, uh, more reliable. Those types of projects are qualifying projects. Within that project, in making a product smaller, there will be technical challenges at fitting the components on the circuit board and the circuit board still working to a required specification. That will be a technical challenge. And within that technical challenge, there'll be uncertainties. So th those are roughly what we're looking for when we first speak to companies. Um, the types of costs that are uh, eligible for relief, the, the biggest cost in manufacturing tends to be around time. So staff time, people do R&D. Uh, raw materials. So if companies are involved in prototyping to test particular designs or structures, then the raw materials involved in producing the prototype will qualify for uh, relief. Yep. Uh, there are also costs around computing. So just recently, HMRC have announced that uh, going forward, companies will be able to claim costs against the acquisition, the analysis, and the interpretation of data. And that might be done outside the organization. So if it's cloud computing, particularly in some advanced areas of engineering uh, where you're looking at maybe using uh, aerodynamics or thermodynamics to improve the performance of a product. Yep. Sometimes companies won't have the ability to, to test a product in a wind tunnel itself or to analyze the, the uh, results. So if they subcontract that out, they can claim some of the cost back. Uh, subcontract costs, if companies are subcontracting out parts of the R&D process, uh, then there will be uh, relief available for that as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So a whole range of uh, financial support. And, and I guess, um, you know, there's a, you know, a huge financial advantage for companies looking into, you know, are they getting their full claim uh you know are there things that they're doing that they that they haven't claimed for at all so you know in these uncertain times that we're all living in you know uh with supply chain issues um you know interest rates going up metal prices going through the roof um you know if businesses aren't you know looking at their the options for r&d tax relief they're really you know it's, it's just money that could be going straight on the bottom line and, and helping support their, their innovation. So it, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 
the tax relief then is is it just for for product development activity or or can businesses get benefit for for other types of projects it's initially it it wasn't it's never been exclusively for product development but in the early days, most of the projects that we worked on where there was eligible activity were around product development. Mm. Uh, we're finding more and more these days that uh, process innovation projects, again, particularly given the, the, the um, pressures that companies are under now with increasing uh, energy costs or material costs and even the cost of uh, um, disposing of waste. Uh, a lot of projects looking at reducing energy consumption in the process, so eliminating uh, the need for uh, light or heat in curing uh, coatings or uh, applications to products, um, the, the reduction of raw materials itself. Sometimes it will be removing raw materials that are, are seen to have uh, health effects. So uh, there was a spate a couple of years ago of companies, uh, particularly um, in the, the, the coatings industry, removing chromium from right. uh, anodizing processes. And uh, the challenges were replacing chrome six with less carcinogenic forms. And, and that itself created some challenges in, in how they applied the, the substitute products, the ability of the substitute uh, products to, to stick to the surface of the metal and to yeah. stay on the surface of the metal. So uh, we're finding more and more um, innovation uh, projects within the process itself, yeah, or within the, the process improvement sphere. Okay, well, thank you for that. Now, before we uh, before we came on air to, to record the podcast, we were having a chat about some of the, the, the myths around the scheme in the past and uh, I'll, I'll ask you to sort of uh, give some detail around that in just a second but I mean the, the scheme itself is over 20 years old um, you know surely that's you know a, a enough time or is it enough time for, for businesses to you know to, to be familiar with with the realities of the scheme what, 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 what's your sort of take on that? Um, I think the scheme hasn't changed significantly over 20 years uh, there have been a number of changes recently but um, on the whole, it's a fairly stable scheme, but I'm always surprised at how many companies, they have a good uh, general level of understanding, but sometimes the finer understanding of the, the, uh, the technical legislation or the, the guiding legislation. Uh, so we always think that uh, even if a company's claiming, we'll chat to them about the claim itself and about the, the technical aspects of it. Uh, we yeah. think it's good governance for companies even if they have a good provider on board, uh, to, to regularly check that, that the claim they have is accurate and robust and comprehensive. So there are, there are a number of areas that, that are grey or open to interpretation. And I think that's where the benefit of a, an R&D specialist rather than a generalist comes into play because the R&D specialists should have a, a better understanding of um, what HMRC will accept yep. in terms of the interpretation of the, the guidelines, yeah. Okay, and, and just going back to, to some of those myths about, about the scheme, uh, you know, are, are there, you know, two or three key ones that, are, you know, sort of crop up more often than not when, when people talk about this that maybe aren't necessarily, um, you know, claiming R&D tax credits? Yeah, um, one that 
I come across quite regularly as companies believe they're only allowed to claim relief against successful projects. So uh, they've, maybe, they've maybe got a number of projects in the background that have started and never finished because they've come up against a particular uh, obstacle that they can't resolve. And uh, we tend to believe that often the projects that fail for technical reasons are more eligible or more obviously eligible than the ones that are successful. Because if it fails for a technical reason, then that tends to suggest that the technical challenge was maybe a bit more difficult yeah. uh, or hasn't been resolved. So there's, you know, I, th I think companies need to look at all of the technical challenges they're facing on a regular basis or over the year and uh, investigate all of them. Now, there'll be some that fail because of economic reasons because it just wasn't uh, commercially viable. Yeah. Those will qualify, but ones that fail for technical reasons will be. So that's, that's the first one. The second area of myth is we do often hear companies uh, telling us or, or um, saying to us that they've been advised that all costs are eligible, all costs associated with the R&D tax relief claim, uh, with the, uh, the R&D project rather, are eligible for relief. There are particular costs that aren't eligible. Uh, we, we had one client a number of years ago who told us they'd been advised that even the time they spent talking to us as their R&D advisor was eligible. Okay. Uh, professional fees tend not to be eligible. So uh, accountancy fees, R&D tax advisors fees, those aren't eligible for relief. Um, consultancy fees can be mm. if the consultancy brings in a technical expertise that's not within the company and the expertise is required, it's an essential part of resolving a particular uh, issue yeah. or uncertainty. Um, other areas that, that won't be eligible, um, oh, um, market research. So if a company is undertaking research uh, to identify if there's market potential for a new product, an improved product, that won't qualify. Uh, business planning doesn't qualify. So there are a number of areas in there that, that won't necessarily uh, qualify that most companies will see as uh, an, an integral part of an R&D or innovation project. Yeah. And again, that's that's why it's important that you go and speak to a specialist, somebody who has a good understanding of the, the guiding legislation. Yeah. And um, I suppose the other one is that the one that is that's often misunderstood, even amongst some practitioners in the field, would be um, receiving a grant excludes a company from claiming R&D tax relief. It doesn't actually exclude a company. So companies who are in receipts of grants will still qualify for R&D tax relief. What it may do is impact on the scheme that the company claims through. And um, so uh, state aid grants, uh, which are, are, tend to be the bigger innovation projects. So quite a few Innovate UK projects are, are um, state aid. Yep. And in de minimis grants, which, which tend to be smaller and more local in their nature, are both treated differently. And I think what's really important is that when you're working with an R&D provider, you make the R&D provider aware of the grant, 
and that you make them aware of which parts of the project the grant impacts on and then allow them to assess the impact of that on your your claim yeah fantastic thanks very much for sharing that so we, we've seen a, a, a number of um consultations and subsequent changes to the scheme uh you mentioned there have been some recent ones over the last few years uh are there any changes that you can highlight that you think will have you know the most impact on, on companies and then you know sort of how those changes might impact the way companies use the scheme itself yeah uh, well computing costs as an eligible expense we think will be uh quite important, uh, particularly as more companies take on digitalization of the R&D uh, process. As companies use more digital simulation to reduce yeah. the amount of physical prototyping, then cloud computing costs become much more important. Uh, the other one alongside of that um, would be the introduction of uh, the cap on R&D cash refunds. So for companies, SMEs in a loss-making position, uh, there is now a cap of three times the PAYE exposure in the year of the claim. Um, and that's to reduce the number of companies who are using uh, third-party contractors and often contractors outside the UK. Um, we, we think that will particularly impact upon uh, software technology companies, where often the way of keeping their... Um, their running costs down is to use less uh, employed staff and yeah. to use contractors as and when they need them. So they can bring in contractors quickly without the, the long-term uh, exposure. We think that, that early stage businesses. Uh, alongside of that, um, the exclusion of uh, ex-UK expenditure. So again, in the autumn uh, budget, the Chancellor mentioned that uh, going forward, companies won't be allowed to claim for uh, R&D uh, taken on out with the UK. Uh, nice. We can see that a number of our own clients have come back and raised that as an issue. And we think there are instances where uh, R&D providers should be making um, a, a claim or a case to HMRC for an exemption. Uh, that's still being consulted around at the moment. HMRC are still taking um, companies' views on that, uh, particularly in areas, uh, if you're working in life sciences or pharmaceuticals, sometimes the, the, um, the particular population uh, profile you need to test a particular uh, treatment isn't available in the UK. So there will be instances where companies come forward and say, we can't actually do this work in the UK. It needs to be outside. Uh, and that's, you know, so that's another area. Uh, other than that, the, the one that we think might cause companies some concern is that HMRC have suggested that going forward, they will require companies to give uh, advance notice of the intention claim. Um, what we don't have at the moment is um, detailed guidelines on what level of notification or detail the company has to provide. So okay. uh, are they looking for detailed project outlines or are they just looking for the company to say, we're undertaking this or we plan to undertake this project in the next 12 months, we will be making a claim. And there is a feeling that if HMRC are looking for um, 
too much detail that could limit companies' abilities to claim uh, for technical challenges that fall out with the scope of their original advance notice, if that makes sense. Okay. So I, th I think there's some work. I don't think HMRC are being particularly draconian at the moment. They're not laying the law down and saying this is how it will be. They're still looking for industry to, to give their, um, their view on it, both yeah. claiming companies and uh, R&D tax specialists and, and uh, people in the, the industry. So I think there's a bit of work to be done around there. But these are areas that companies have to be aware of yep. and should be talking to their advisors about future impact on their own claims. Yeah. And with the with the the changes that HMRC may may bring in, um, when whenever that might be, do you think that will have a, a negative impact on the amount of time it takes for businesses to to actually put that information together and go through the process, or do, do you see that uh, yeah, not, not yeah. really being a, an impact? Well, one of the one of the things that we've noticed ourselves over the last um, eighteen months or two years is uh, an increase in the number of inquiries that HMRC are raising. So they are certainly becoming much more uh, diligent about the level of technical detail companies are putting into a technical report. Uh, their demand for greater technical clarification and detail will require companies to spend more time putting that information into reports. I think we will see more uh, claims being uh, held up Yep. or uh, knocked back on the basis of a lack of technical information. So companies will, will need to give a lot more detail uh, and will, will be required to spend more time on technical reports in the future, yeah? Yeah. Okay, and, and does a business need to, to use an R&D specialist or can they do their own claim or, or you know, can they use their own accountants? What, what, what are the benefits, I guess, from a, you know, from a, a business's point of view that maybe hasn't, gone down the R&D tax credit claim situation before, you know, they, they would, I guess they would be thinking, well, what, what's the, what's the benefit? You know, it's going to, it's going to cost money. What, why can't we do it ourselves? So what, what are the benefits from using a specialist? Yeah. Um, I have to be honest and say, yes, companies can do their own claim. Yeah. Uh, and they can certainly use their accountant. A lot of companies in the UK, do their own claim, other companies use their accountant. Uh, I suppose my concern would be a company's ability to remove some of the, uh, the subjectivity in their claim. So yeah. as technologists, one of the things that we are very um, uh, focused on is making sure that there's a clear and obvious advance in a field of science or technology at the start. So what yep. were the company trying to achieve? And then uh, we'll then be applying some external knowledge to that to make sure that that is a, a legitimate advance. So what project? And I think sometimes um, it's difficult for a company to be as objective as an external party. Applied on top of that is our understanding from our um, 12 years experience in the field of HMRC's interpretation of those 500 pages of legislation. Because yeah. it's difficult for a company, for the individuals in the company, to be experts in this area. Now, this is just one aspect of tax. So every other area of tax legislation has a similar amount of legislation sitting behind it. 
Yep. So we would expect our companies to have that level of knowledge. That's why we're specialists. Um, and I think having not just an understanding of the legislation, but having experience of um, the thousands of claims we've done over the last uh, 12 years, the seven, 800 claims we do a year, um, that influences our consultants' um, application or yeah. preparation for a particular claim. Um, then there's the, the issue of the understanding what makes a successful claim or what makes a robust claim. Yeah. Uh, so again, we believe going forward there will be greater scrutiny on claims and companies have to be prepared to answer some of those technical questions that uh, HMRC inspectors come up with. Yeah. Uh, so I think these, these are the areas, probably all of those lead to a point. Um, as technologists, um, because that's primarily ABGI, we employ technologists to do this work. Yeah. As technologists, we have confidence in our understanding and in our knowledge of what is eligible for relief. That then leads us to be able to give our clients a warranty that if there are any inquiries on a particular claim that we have uh, prepared and submitted on behalf of the client, we'll answer those inquiries on yeah. behalf of the client. So we remove uh, a layer of giving them the peace of mind that once the claim's prepared and submitted, they haven't got the comeback from HMRC. Yeah. It comes to us. So it's, it's kind of putting a, a buffer between the company and ourselves. Now, uh, again, we know that there are moves afoot within HMRC to, to limit the, the ability of organisations like ourselves to represent companies. Uh, right. And, and uh, we're talking about that just now. But for the moment, our ability to go in and answer questions on behalf of a company reduces their, um, I suppose, their concerns or gives them greater peace of mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's good to have that, uh, that element of risk mitigation in the in the process. So, what tips do you have for companies that will that will help them make more effective use of the scheme, um, or not end up on the wrong side of the HMRC? Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing is be honest and be realistic. So, we, we, you know, over twelve years we've come across a number of companies, a number of claims, which when we've looked at them. Yeah, even with the best will in the world, they're spurious. <laughs> so, you know, um, you've got to have a good understanding of why the scheme's there and what qualifies for relief. So a company, before they make a claim, needs to think through what was the advance they were looking to achieve. What, what were all of the work packages they needed to undertake to achieve that advance? And then which of those technical challenges were true uncertainties? So which, which ones didn't have an existing or obvious solution? Yeah. They couldn't find an answer um, already published or they didn't know somebody that had done this work before. Um, I think that's really important because that's the first step in producing a robust claim and one that HMRC won't be able to come back and challenge or won't be able to come back and ask you to repay uh, your relief at some future date, because that does happen. Uh, other things to keep in mind is that uh, you need to sub submit a technical report alongside your claim. So 
They're interested in the cost evidence, but they're also interested in the technical report, which outlines all of those things I've just said, you know, advance in science or technology, technical challenges or technical uncertainties addressed, the work done to undertake it, uh, and the un individuals undertaking the work. Um, and then try to be as objective as you can. So again, one of the things that using a third party does is it introduces a greater degree of objectivity. Yeah. And we, we, we have seen in the past, uh, particularly entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs are very emotionally uh, invested in their project. Yeah. So everything they do is innovative. <laughs> it might be innovative, it's not necessarily innovative or eligible in HMRC's perspective. And that's what you've got to get is, is HMRC's perspective on something. So these would be good tips to, to uh, follow. And uh, just be aware that, that, again, there are some uh, red flags, uh, words that if they're used will, will ring alarm bells in HMRC's mind, yeah. And again, I would say be very clear and accurate on your cost evidence as well. You know, um, they're looking for companies who, uh, and again, companies might not be doing it deliberately, but they're looking for companies who are overclaiming. Yeah. Claiming absolutely. more relief than they're necessarily entitled to. So, yeah, be honest. Honesty wins the day. <laughs> absolutely. And as a, as a UK taxpayer, it's, it's good to know that, uh, you know, HMRC have got these robust uh, checks in place and, companies should expect to, uh, to to go through that process. But I, th I think what you've explained, um, it, it sort of enforces the the need to get this right first time when you're putting in a claim, because it's time invested. If you've got to go back and there's an investigation, uh, a double handling, it's just time and, and money. It's additional cost for business. So, uh, you know, as an outsider looking in, I, I can see the benefits of, of getting in a specialist. So thanks for your, your explanation on that. Um, what are the plans for ABGI UK in, in 2022 then moving forward? Any, anything exciting or new on the horizon? What's, what's, uh, what's in store? Um, what, what have we got in store, store for this year? Uh, well, we're moving on with, uh, uh, our, uh, growth and expansion in the UK. We're, we're, you know, we're hoping to, to expand. Uh, we're looking at, uh, strengthening and reinforcing our position, uh, in, in a couple of areas in the UK, particularly in Ireland. Uh, we've got our sites on there. Um, and also making more headway in other uh, relief schemes that, that are available. So uh, we believe there are a number of schemes in the UK that companies aren't fully aware of just yet. Uh, and, and part of that process will be reinforcing our education on uh, particularly schemes like Patent Box. We, we think there are a lot of companies in the UK who have uh, IP rights and they're not taking advantage of the patent box regime. Uh, and then the, the other area for us is a greater integration of our sister company, Nova Systems, into the accelerating innovation uh, uh, agenda that we have. So uh, digitalization solutions for uh, engineering and manufacturing companies and uh, helping companies digitalize more of the R&D process. Brilliant. Well, that's really exciting stuff. And I guess uh, everybody within the company are looking forward to, to what this year uh, brings. So what's the 
what's the best way for businesses to, to get in contact if they've got any questions or any uncertainties around their R&D tax credit claims? Um, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, um, give me a call uh, on 0131 297 0261 or ping me an email at uh, sandy.findlay at abgi-uk.com and I'll do my best to, to answer any questions or I'll get them on to one of our consultants who can give them the right answers. <laughs> Brilliant. And I understand you've also got a, some sort of online um, support or chat box on your, on your website. Is that correct? Yeah. If, if, I mean, if you, if you want to, you can go onto our website. We've got an online chat facility available online as well. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Sandy. So that wraps us up with today's uh, episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Thanks again to Sandy Findlay. Thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and goodbye.